I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, dear. You ready then? Yeah, have you got your client ID? Oh, no. You, you can't do this podcast without a client ID. Bugger. Online at owlstalk.co.uk, you're listening to Owls Talk FM. Okay, so episode 19, Neil, of the Owls Talk podcast. Is it? Yes. Uh, so, hello and welcome to the listeners. A lot's been happening. Yeah. What, what have you been doing this week? This week, I've mainly been sat in a corner, rocking backwards and forwards. Little Jack Corner? the mouth. You're not Little Jack Corner? No. No. Not much. What have you been doing this week? I went to see The Death of Stalin. Oh, the film? The film. Not, the, obviously not the event. Armando Iannucci Not the, not the film. live event. The film. Yeah. <laughs> By Armando Iannucci. And uh, it, it's just so funny. It's so good. It's classic. It's another highly recommended movie Okay, from the Owl's Talk podcast. Is this, is this podcast just turned into movie reviews? No, I'm just telling you what I did this week. Okay. So I've, I've done that, and yeah. then today I went to some really weird comic con type thing in Sheffield City Centre, where people dressed up as stormtroopers, uh, and that's pretty much it. There, there weren't much else there, really, just some funfair rides. I did see one thing, though, which was like a motorcycle simulator. Right. You could go on that. Uh and it was four pound for five minutes on this, like you know, them thingy simulators where you're sitting and it throws you around and that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that looked that looked great, uh, but I forgot to go on it. <laughs> Thanks for that. Another story like that. Same time next week. Oh yeah, and they turned all you know in the Peace Gardens, <laughs> like the fountains and the uh, them little river things that they have like yeah, uh, yeah. Um, the water and that. They turned it all bright green. Don't know why. That out of this world thing that's going on today in, that was it. in the city centre. That's it. That's what the council are now doing as a replacement for Fright Night that they used to do. I'll Albany. tell you what. I'll tell you what Fright Night is this week. The game against Millwall, James. What a segue! This is the Alstor podcast. So yeah, Millwall is coming up. Before we go into that, let's review the Barnsley game. It was boring as hell. Yeah, pretty much. And we scored a lucky goal. Um, and I think the atmosphere could be best described as a little bit muted, <laughs> very in, much so. in the ground. Uh, even the even the band gave up. <laughs> um, so yeah, one-one, uh, which is not enough. It's not good enough, and it's not enough. It's not for us. It was a pearler of a goal for Barnsley. Yeah, they they obviously love that, but we didn't. We didn't need that. And the game should have been dead and buried way before they scored. I think. Mm. Uh, Peter, Mr. Charisma Shirtliff, I think he agreed. will agree with me on that one as well. It was... Um, Peter Shirtliff got some unfair stick, by the way, on about his uh, commentary on Radio Sheffield. They were saying he sounded a bit dull and boring. You know, I don't think so. He's all right. Mm, I didn't listen to it, so I couldn't boring. possibly comment. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, like, we got a lucky goal. 
I think we played fairly well in the first half. Possession percentage, and I know that like everyone loves these percentages, but possession percentage throughout the first half was between 66 and 80% fluctuated between those hmm. things. So we were all over them. Chances on were goal. Were you just watching a swingometer? Ch- <laughs> <laughs> Ch- Ch- were you watching goal. a live live update of percentages? I, I love stats. I love them. Can't remember any of them except for this one. But uh, yeah, yeah. So um, throughout the game, we were smashing it on possession. Chances on goal. We had more chances on goal in the first half than we did in the entire game, the last game. Yeah. Shots on target. Same. Uh, slightly low. And I think that's something that Carlos touched on in the post-match commentary yeah, discussion. Any shots on target that we had were weak, like yeah. straight to the keeper. We, yeah. we had a couple of redders, we had a couple of long-distance shots, and all very weak. They took a week to get to the keeper. Is that what you're saying, James? Yes, yes. indeed. I'm going to crack open another... Oh, shit. <laughs> that what, went wrong, didn't what's it? What's my microphone? Sorry about that. Uh, um, <laughs> Fizzy Fosters for all the family... Yeah, except your children. They prefer the whiskey. <laughs> um, <so. laughs> I thought Paul Sturrock had walked in. What's these chocolates, anyway? Caramel. I, I, oh, I had one. I had one earlier, and uh, I ate it, and I thought, no idea what I've just eaten. And I couldn't tell you for the life of me what it was. We're going to have one now. So you don't know what caramel is? I do now you've said it, but I don't go out my way <laughs> Have you me. ever had caramel before? Yeah, loads. Al's talk. We've let it go to shit. So, yeah, second half... Uh, the players may as well have just not walked out on the pitch. Mm. It was pretty poor. caramel. Boring. Keep, keep talking. Um, <laughs> and yeah, very, very little happened in the second half uh, of no, other than Barnsley's cracking goal, to be fair. It's the first time I've watched a game this season and actually felt like really despondent after it. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've been disappointed in previous games. Yeah. But this one is the first time I felt actually like really pissed off. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's different from despondent. Yeah, more you more angry. <laughs> okay, just thought I'd clear that up. Thanks. Do you know what's winding me up is that we were told this was 150th year. I'm not going to go there, right? But 150th anniversary year, we were promised we'd be in the top two, yeah. right? And we'd get promoted. We've been told in the last few weeks we'd get promoted. After the bad results that we've been having, we got told, don't worry, we've got two home games on the way. Yeah. We'll win them. And then we will draw against Barnsley in another quite muted fashion, um, not really taking the chances that we created and scoring the goals and stuff. Still looking adrift of a lot of confidence still, although Carlos disagrees with that vehemently, which is a good word. Um, and I think it is starting to turn. The fans are starting to get angry. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that Mr. Shansiri has not ever seen. He's only ever seen... Imagine when like Milan were trying to sell him the, the club and mm. he came to Hillsborough and it were all like Milan's name was everywhere, splattered up on posters on the back of the cop and stuff. You know, thank you, Milan, and all that. Yeah. And it, uh, there's been good vibes. Then we got to Wembley. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, we didn't make it against Hull and that. And then since then, it's been ticking over and um, we've been... Promised all this success, pay more and you'll get more success, etc., etc. And then we lo- we draw one one against Barnsley in a must, uh, literally a must win game, I think. And then uh, tempers start to fray a little. And I thought uh, last night, which is Saturday, when people got home from the game, uh, there was more anger than I've seen in uh, in all of Shantiri's time. Yeah, and understandably so in a lot of cases. I mean, the way that people put across their anger, you can argue, is 
um, can be bad uh, and not on, but it's completely understandable for people to be angry about what's happening at the minute and the performances and people who put little chicks through shredding machines because they're no longer worth it. I've seen an inter- an internet video on YouTube and that's what happens to them. What? Yeah. It's like you, you go to these animal farms and it's like, you know, little chicks, the little yellow ones. Yeah. They, they just, they don't want them. So they put them in a shredding machine and they go up this conveyor belt and they just drop into a shredder and then like, <laughs> like that. And that's it. How cruel is that? So where where's the? It's on YouTube. <laughs> it's on YouTube. I'm not laughing at chicks' demise. Um, it's but... horrible. Why? why? Like, firstly, horrible. firstly, right? Why are you watching things like that? Because you have. I think you have to understand where your food comes from. Although in this in, in this occasion, this wasn't for food. I'm not saying it was for fun. A chick isn't really food anyway, so it wouldn't be for food. Surely. You order from Roosters down the road, don't you? So, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so good. It's nice. So what I'm saying is, why are we even talking about this? <laughs> that, that was going to be my point too. All right, all right, yeah. Like, what, what is the analogue between that and the Sheffield Wednesday situation at the minute? Um, God, I don't even know how we got here. That makes two of us. I came aboard the Foster's train. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. I genuinely don't know where to go from it. This is the first week where I've been um, downtown before coming here to record this. I only went for a burger. I went to a fire pit next to West Street Live. Yeah. On there. I went and had some food there. Very nice. I can recommend it. I reckon they should put a sign outside West Street Live saying Jared O'Mara's West Street Live. (laughs) (laughs) Moving swiftly on. Bitch is not welcome. Oh. Oh. Fire pit's really nice. Yeah, it is. I like it. Yeah, it is. It is. I can I can highly recommend it as a fat person. Yes. Because I know about food. It's good. It's very expensive. Should you ever trust a thin food critic? Yeah. yeah it depends what their metabolism is like. Maybe they do loads of speed. <laughs> I, I nearly said Spock. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, the boot sale lap. Yeah. Yeah. Owlstalk.co.uk Where football chat comes last So I was talking to Keith the other day, right? And then he was saying, let's do a different song as part of the set So I said, like, no, Keith, we can't do that Can't do that (laughs) This is the Owlstalk Podcast So, Neil, people aren't very happy with Carlos No There's still... Lots of people saying Carlos out. Yep. Um, Chancery isn't. All except for Chancery, it seems. Yeah, pretty much. The, is it worth changing a manager at this point? Um, it's a tough one because if you don't, it feels like you know what's going to happen over the next few games, which is like not a lot, just a whimper from the from the team. Uh, the same team being put out week after week. Mm-hmm. Carlos sticking stubbornly to his tactics and his starting lineup. If you do swap the manager out, you'll get a short-term burst of enthusiasm, hopefully, and a feel-good factor for a few weeks. But then you look at everything else that's happening at the club, and then you wonder if it's gonna it would benefit long-term at all. Who who out there uh, can take over the job? Who is there that can do be the Sheffield Wednesday manager next? Um. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not Mick Jagger. Well, I'm not in that Keith. <laughs> <laughs> 
So is, is there a manager out there that can take over and move us on in the direction we need to go? Um, I can't think of anybody. And I, I just, you know, when you look back, someone posted the last 10 managers that Sheffield Wednesday's had. Yeah. And you look back at them, so many are just, oh, it makes me cry thinking about it. It's it just so grey and dull and typical manager. The, the way that I look at it is Sheffield Wednesday have always had this tradition of getting a manager ringing them up when they're out of work on the golf course and they've made so much money they don't need to work again. Mm-hmm. And we ring up saying, all right, do you fancy this £3 million contract? And they're like, yeah, fair enough. If I have to, do you know what I mean? And they, yeah. they come to Wednesday, do whatever they do, and then they get paid off and go back to the golf club. In the case of some managers, literally <laughs> coming in the morning, uh, have a cup of tea, Send the coaches out with the players and then go off golfing. Yeah, that, golfing, yeah. Golfing. 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 And that literally has happened with certain managers in the past. My name's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> you need to work on these impressions. That was terrible. Owlstalk.co.uk Where eyeballs smell of chicken. Good news, Neil. Eh? Good news. The, the kit's in the shop. All right. Are you going to get one? No. Probably a good job because the sizes aren't up to much, are they? Literally, they don't have my size. <laughs> they don't. They, they don't. They, it goes up to. I think. It, I think it's four four XL. Four XL, yeah. Which is they do have my size. I'm lying. No, I, I, I can't remember the sizes, but I think it's fifty two to fifty four inch chest mm. is four XL. I think. And you'd not get that over your tits. Uh, it'd be like a Spice Girls crop top. <laughs> um. So they're really small sizes, and people have been returning them to the shop because they're too small for them. That's right. So, so last year's kind of XL is this year's large, I guess. The debate on this one is that the sizes have changed quite dramatically, I would suggest, right? Yeah. Which means that if before you were in double XL, this year you were four XL. Yeah. Right, which is like nuts. It's it's not so bad if no, it's the other way around, isn't it? No, because like if you're if you're fifty fifty two inch chest, right? You're double XL typically. Yeah, uh, but you're a four XL this season with the new shirt. That's how mad it is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I'm only speaking from a fifty two inch chest experience here, and that is why I spoke it. <laughs> <laughs> But um, wait, wait, wait. So yeah, so so the problem is right. If you are releasing a shirt in August or July, mm-hmm. um, people will get onto the club, try it on, etc. Unless you live abroad, etc. And whatever. Um, but with it being released in October, November time, like the the new one's gonna, the other one's gonna be, then uh, a lot of people will be buying them now for Christmas presents. Now, if you imagine little Johnny waking up at Christmas, tries it on, don't fit. So he's going to cry. He will literally cry because his Wednesday top doesn't fit him. So Wednesday sizing is making kids cry, cry at Christmas. <laughs> you can't even say that. You can't even say that. It's because I was say, I was looking at your you face say, as I said it. I was waiting for it. You were saying something about <laughs> clangers then, like clapper trap clangers. <laughs> Oh, I gotta have a drink of fastness. Yeah, so Sheffield Wednesday's sizing is going to make kids cry at Christmas. So, if you're abroad, like the American Owls, right? I know some of them have ordered one. 
Uh, and they ordered theirs before it was pointed out that the sizing was different. Other people have bought, gone in and bought gifts where they haven't took the child in, for example, because it's a Christmas present. So a typical example would be um, someone rings me up and says, <clears throat> "How you know, you're Johnny, what size T-shirt is it? I say, oh, it's an extra large. So they go down and buy an extra large and it won't fit Yeah, when he wakes it, when he opens it up at Christmas. So uh, there's going to be a lot of returns, that's all I'm saying. And then to highlight the size change, the club have kind of buried it into another news item. Yeah. So they're not really telling people about the size change. Which, that's up to them, right? It's not going to affect the sales in any way if they, if they just let fans know. What it will do... Just is makes it will... a pain in the ass for them sorting it out after. Yeah. So, like, the club shop staff must be, after being attacked verbally for the shirt not being on sale, now it is on sale and people are going to have to take it back because it's the wrong size in some instances. Yeah. Although, on that, Neil... Um, the first kind of 10 minutes of this podcast, uh, I'm happy to report, is record-breaking. Yeah, <laughs> it is record-breaking. Yeah. We've, we've, we've broken records with the first 10 minutes of this podcast, just like Sheffield Wednesday broke records with the kit going on sale last Monday. Record-breaking. Wonder what it is. It's, it's obviously a lot of hype and spin, which is fair enough. If it is a record-breaking day for kit sales, brilliant. What is it? I don't get it. They, they didn't actually specify what the record was that no. broken. No. As, assumedly, it's the amount of kits sold um, after one day. In maybe? October. Yeah, in October. Yeah, They sold more kits on for, a Monday in October this for a, year. For a kit with no stripes than ever before. Yeah. Great. Mm, yeah. Well, fair enough. If it's a record-breaking thing, then fantastic. Do you believe all the record-breaking stuff that happens all the time now? I think over the years, I believed it at first, and then I kind of sussed it a little bit and saw it a little bit, and now I don't believe anything. I think there have been lots of record-breaking things, like ticket prices, cake ball. Yeah, cake ball, ticket prices, executive <laughs> box prices. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely record breaking, but it's just like it, it seems to be clutching at straws. This one, and if you keep on saying everything every year is record breaking, people aren't going to believe you. Nah, I mean, fair enough. Like we, we've got uh, fantastic season ticket sales this season. I think there's like twenty one thousand. The chairman yeah. said at the steering meeting, um, twenty one thousand season tickets not to be sniffed at, James. <coughs> Steve breakfast update boil egg. So speaking of the steering group meeting, um, that happened last week. Yep, there was a steering group meeting, several hours long. Aye, for real, as usual. Yep, um, lots of people went. Um, thirty, thirty, people. and Dom Housen from the Star. But yeah, th- these people went. They came back, and once again, we've had a complete mishmash of reports of what was said and like what the outcomes were. Well. Not that there were any outcomes by the sounds of it. It sounded well. We, what came out of it was an absolute shitstorm of just nonsense. Yeah, and just, it's and, and, and it made things a lot worse. A it's lot done worse. the exact opposite of what they wanted to do in well, bringing that, the fans together and being positive. More people came out of there negative than I've ever seen out of any kind of steering group fans forum, whatever. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought the point of those steering meetings were for the Wednesday fans to go in and throw a few ideas at the club and the club to say yes, no, do you know what I mean? A bit of mutual feedback from both parties. Yeah. Not just to turn up and get talked to and 
Do you know what I mean? Well, apparently, from some of the reports I've seen, because not everybody's rep- been reporting it, which I'll come back to, uh, the beginning hour of the meeting, the chairman just sat and talked at everybody and kind of told a few people off. And it sounds like it started off on a real sour note. Mm, never the best. Which kind of sets the tone for the rest of the meeting where... It's a bit venomous bitch, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Um, one of the things that he's told somebody off for uh, is the Malcolm Fox guy on Twitter. Apparently Malcolm Fox made a joke about the kits. Yeah. Which was quite obviously a joke. Yeah. When you read it back. And he got kind of a ten minute like verbal assault from the chairman about that. I don't understand that because like... Um for example, Trevor in the office who runs the uh, communications and what have you, he could have just told the chairman, no, it's just a joke, don't worry about it. Yeah, but obviously there's been some kind of incidents where people on social media have been abusing the chairman yeah, uh, there's, and there's, his family and stuff. Yeah, but there's a massive difference between anyone having a direct pop at the chairman with abuse and name-calling yeah. and, do you know what I mean? And, which, which is always unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, there's a massive difference between that and having and having a joke, and yeah. barroom banter. Do, yeah. you know, do you know what I mean? Uh, there's a massive difference, huge difference. And I think um, we know from experience that you can't necessarily control humour for sure. Yeah. Um, you can't control online comments whatsoever, really. No, you can't. And I think um, trying to is a little bit naive, I guess. But all it's done in the case of Malcolm Fox is, is it seems like he was one of the ones that actually came back and did kind of a decent commentary on what's happened. Yeah, so like he's the go-to guy to read after these meetings who, yeah. who provides a... a or he was, because all this has done is apparently driven him away uh, to the point where he said he's not going to attend anymore. Yeah, so he's got, he's got told off and then <clears throat> given his last kind of uh, overview of what the meeting was, went like and then said at the end, uh, and now I'm, I'm going to step down from going to these meetings anymore, which is, is it's, that is... It's, it's a loss. These steering group meetings are just... A, just need scrapping. They're nonsense. Absolute uh, nonsense. Aren't they, aren't they an obligatory thing for the clubs to do as part of the... People have said this, and I'm not sure that they are. I uh, thought they were part of, like, the fans... The, the club charter. Yeah. But the club charter isn't dictated to by kind of the league or anything, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. It's dictated that you have a club charter yeah. and you give it to the league. But what's in the club charter... Um, you can basically do yourself as a club. So if that used to be that, if that's the case, what I would say then is that as fans, we should say we don't want them anymore because all that's happening is thirty people are getting took into a room, stuff's getting said, and the club actually said this time we are not going to write down anything that's been said. Yeah, we're, we're not going to report what's discussed. Yeah, we're not going yeah, to report anything. Well, what's the Which point? is the most utterly pointless exercise ever. It's unacceptable. It's it's not. Don't do that. What's the, the point? They had Dom Housen from the star there. Dom comes back and does a story on it, which doesn't even cover, like... It covers, like, two points of the meeting. He drip-fed he drip, fed, he drip fed the points out bit by bit in separate articles over the, a couple of days, but didn't include everything. But that shows the ab- absolute farce of it, because I've only seen one article, and it's the same when it comes onto Facebook and Twitter and whatever, in the algorithms. On Twitter, you have to be there at the time to read it. Yeah. On Facebook, it depends on the algorithms, whether you get to see it. Yeah. Forums move so fast that you're going to miss all the information anyway. Yeah. 
It's nuts, isn't it? You should just, like, scrap it. I don't get it. If, if you are going to do it, just minute it and put out, like, the minutes of the meeting on the website. But this, Yeah, agreed. This is done as well as an addition to Mr. Shansiri fielding uh, questions via email, which uh, origi- I think that was set up so that someone could email into the chairman and get a direct answer and all the questions and answers will be published. Yeah. Uh, so we're waiting for that. To, to come out on the on the club site, but it was the steering meeting was in addition to that. So yeah, but also in the steering meeting they referred to that saying that he's received four hundred emails. Yeah, apparently, and he was going to be responding to everybody by the end of November, I think it was. Yeah. So that, is that FAQ on the website going to happen, or is he going to individually respond to people? I don't know. He's, we we don't get much out of the club communications wise at the moment. It's uh, probably an all time low. I'd say it's, it's not mm. great. It's not fantastic. And what's happening is um, because the club aren't covering salient topics and points um, off, then it's just creating rumours and it's creating ill feeling, and it's as a it's as a result of bad communication. Because like previously. We've, the relationship's been a way better. Um, things have been reported better. Do you know what I mean? And it, at the minute, it's not great. Has, has there ever been a time, other than the Dave Allen era, where the relationship between club and fans has seemed more distant? No. I don't think so. No. I, I can't recall the time since. I think uh, yesterday yesterday highlighted that to anyone that might not have noticed it. I thought it were it's becoming a fans getting cheesed off with club situation. And I think... If Mr. Shansiri is saying that it's his club because he owns it, then fair enough. But then don't expect the fans to go with you when you're putting your prices up and asking for Club 1867 donations and stuff. Yeah. Which, by the way, is one of the points of the steering meeting. The Club 1867, uh, they've pretty much rolled that off now and said that it's not worked. Yeah, I would I would be very, very shocked if that... I mean, the, the target was, what, 20,000 sold of these schemes? Apparently. But I, I would be surprised if it, if there was more than eight or nine sold. Or do you know what I mean? I, genuinely, I'm not kidding. I couldn't see it breaking into double figures. Me, no. I, th- I think there are a lot of fanatical supporters that are quite well off, like um, reasonably, that would be able to afford it and would do it. It's the wrong time to sell it, though, when you've got a squad of sixty million players on massive wages, producing terrible football, and we're mid-table, sixteenth yeah. in the league. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Owlstalk.co.uk Proof that giving the general public a voice is a really bad idea. Yeah, so to go through some of the steering group points, um, they discussed the transfer process. Apparently, Carlos highlights the positions he wants players for. Then they have a committee or the chairman and a few of few advisors go out and look for players in that position. Yeah, which... Which isn't that... Lots of clubs do it in a, yeah. on a similar basis. Yeah. Um, the question is, who are the advisors? Who's the advisors and what happens once they identify players? So, like, let's say that um, Carlos says he wants a striker... Um, these advisors come in apparently I don't know uh, and um, start looking for strikers Yeah. so they identify three what happens then who makes the decision as to whether they're coming to the club do you know what I mean yeah because like if it's a straight they identify three and then the advisors and Mr Shansiri picks one and brings it into the squad it might not be a, a great fit for what Carlos is looking for yeah and there was a lot of talk about Doyen Sports and um, kind of the relationship between players and the club and the advisory role that they've been doing. Um, the club have kind of, or the chairman kind of dismissed that in the meeting, saying that there's a difference between the agency of Doyen Sports and the company of Doyen Global or something. Yeah. It's all very confusing. And, like, do we need these Doyen people? What what did he do? The the, um, pro- the proof is totally in the pudding. So, like, if we get promoted to the Premier League, then... Uh, you could hold it up as a shining example of a great way to do business. Yeah. If we don't and we start to falter and there's all these Doyen uh, players and the manager in on Doyen contracts uh, at our football club, what happens if we at one point said to Doyen, thanks but no thanks? What happens to all those players? Yeah. So so the the issue is that Doyen Sports or Doyen Globe, one, one, one or the other, the issue is that um, one side of Doyen handles players as an agency and the other side is advising the club on things like uh, who to sign and whatever, transfers. I don't get it. I just don't get it. It doesn't make it any sense. It seems like a real conflict of interest. If you, if that's the case, and if that's how they're doing it, it's a conflict of interest. Now, at the steering group meeting, they've apparently said that the two um, parts are separate. But then, like obviously, when you look at uh, the company information... The agency is owned by the overall global yeah. advisors. So yeah, George Hurst is with Doyen. Yeah, and Doyen are advising the club. I just don't. I don't know. I don't get it. I think we need to know more, a, a little bit more. And it came out about George Hurst in the in the steering group meeting that um, apparently I'd not seen the actual detail of what was said, which is another issue with the steering group meetings and the communication. Yeah, but apparently George Hurst. Um, Pretty much no no chance of keeping him. Yeah, and I think um, Carlos was asked about that then the next day by, I think it was Rob Statton on uh, Radio Sheffield. And he said to Carlos, like, tell us about the George Hurst situation. And Carlos really didn't want to talk about it. He's like, it's, be, it's out of my orbit. He says it's just contracts. Yeah. And Rob's like, does it make it awkward for you then when you've got this fantastic player when United's got theirs and he's banging goals in up front for them mm. and uh, you've got yours, like you're an exciting young player and you can't play him because of a contractual issue. 
and he's like, I can't talk about it. It's not. It's not in my remit. Yeah, but that's the thing that's shining the microscope on it in the. Brooker Brooker United is doing so well. Yeah. They, well yeah. And, and essentially their teammates at like international level. Yeah. Um, and somebody criticized Hurst for saying that Brook had a good game against us. Yeah. Um which he did. He did. I, I thought he was he was absolutely amazing against us, the best player on the pitch well, by far. Liverpool came in for him on the back of that performance anyway, didn't they? So Yeah. Mm, interesting. So yeah, that that's about the transfer process. Um and from that, it was kind of indicated that the chairman has been buying players because fans have been suggesting them mm. or talking about them. The The first name that comes to mind on that is Rhodes. Yeah, because um, there was some discussion about Jordan Rhodes being trending on Twitter yeah. when, we, when we bought him or something. I don't know. Yeah, in, indeed. But A, who buys players just because the fans have been saying it? Which, if if it's a well-intentioned gift from Mr. Shunsiri to the fans, yeah, and the fans are clamouring for Jordan Rhodes, and we're doing all right, but you know what I mean, Mr. Shunsiri buys a present for the pres- for the uh, supporters yeah, and buys, buys Jordan Rhodes, then it's well-intentioned, but very naive. And it is. And then the second point of that is, if that's the case, why have they not even been playing him? Or like, is is they've essentially bought a player. To just sit there and do not a lot. Well, yeah, but if you think if you're car in your if you're in Carlos position and you've got Hooper and Fletcher and Nuhu and Forestieri at the time and stuff like that, yeah. uh, and you've got your set squad and you're doing all right, do you know what I mean? And then the chairman goes and buys you buys the fans Jordan Rhodes and says, "Here, oh, Carlos, look after this guy as well." It's awkward, isn't it? So, is there an argument then that buying Rhodes has disrupted the balance of the squad, and that's one of the reasons why we're not doing so well at the minute? Who knows? Because like we we just see so much going off. Look at Sam Winnell fighting with Forestieri, for example. Yeah, and then they got split up, and Winnell's been booted out of the club for a bit, and Forestieri's gone injured. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like there's a lot happening. There's a lot happening. I think. Yeah, and then Winnell obviously goes and scores, and then all the fans want Winnell back. It's... Yeah. Because like, he scored again on Saturday win all, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so he's doing all right. Um, mm. But when it comes to the games, it's like even if he did play a Rhodes, I don't think the strikers are getting the service that uh, that they need. Not until yesterday. I think uh, the game against Barnsley, we had more chances created than in many weeks gone past. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but didn't score him. And I think Carlos said that we had 21 chances for one goal or something. So yeah. it's taking 21 chances for us to score a goal. We should be putting them away. Whereas in previous weeks, we weren't creating the chances. Yeah, but even, even then, when you actually watch the match back, the, the chances weren't actually clear-cut chances or anything. Nah. And and the supply isn't there. The chances are kind of what players are making for themselves. The A lot of them are at distance or soft. There's, um, there's a few headers which went straight to the keeper. Yeah. Um, but we've not got kind of like that midfield supply in. We're not running down the channels and um, flicking the ball over and, you know, that through ball mm. for the strikers and stuff. So they're not clear-cut chances. No. So you can say we're, we're making the chances, but it's the quality of the chance as well that you got to look at. Well, Carlos has started like quoting stats all the, more than me. Do you know what I mean? In his press conferences now, so he's saying like, "Oh, if you look at the stats, we've had more chances. You know, we should have just scored the chances and hmm. and things like that." And he'll 
uh, he'll point to that a lot. But I don't know. Ultimately, I don't care about what the referees do, how many chances we have on goal and stuff like that. I want us to just put a performance in yeah. that's exciting. If it's entertaining, you can for- forgive a loss. Yeah. As long as you're entertained and as long as the team have gone for it. Yeah. And it's been... Uh, even if you lose, if it's been quite a good like passing possession game where yeah. you're getting the ball forward uh, and essentially having lots of shots on goal, yeah, then fair enough. Yeah, if you just we're not in that position. No, and this, this Millwall game now is absolutely massive. It could be make or break of the season, and I know we've said that for the last few games, but this Millwall one now now we've drawn to Barnsley in one of these must-win home games mm. uh, and dropped two points there. God, we've oh. Got to win. Got to win. Yeah. Got to win. It is one of those situations where you, you then ask yourself, if we don't win against Millwall, then is that time for Carlos? Well, the chairman said that he's going nowhere. Mm. Is it going absolutely nowhere? And apparently he's been and told the team that as well. Yeah, which that's never a good move. But I think, and why? Why has he done that? Why has he had to do that? Why Why has the chairman felt the need to go into his dressing room and tell the team that? I don't know. He went into one of the training sessions, didn't he? Went and spoke to them in person and said, like, he was backing Carlos uh, 100% and, you know, to get behind the the manager, I guess. Uh, obviously, not being there. Imagine being a fringe player and Carlos plays his same squad every, same starting lineup every week. Yeah. And you're a fringe player and you hear that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. But then that was before the Barnsley game, and uh, you know, again, we we come out, we play half decent one half and terrible in another half. Yeah. And even if if Chancery has been having this conversation with the players, the players that are selected by Carlos haven't really reacted to that. But yeah, even though Carlos said he, the, the the players all took a, a great positive away from that discussion and that debate. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a big question mark for me. I think. Um, if we don't win against Millwall, the pressure on Carlos will be absolutely huge. Yeah, on Carlos, yeah. On Chancery, no. I think the pressure's building on Chancery as well. And I think that's why a lot of the defensive statements coming out of the, uh, out of the steering group and stuff like that is because of the pressure building on Chancery. Yeah, but like he's untouchable because like, he can just say it's my club, I'll do what I want. And he pretty much kind of has done that. At the end of the steering group meeting, he said he's been trying to do things for the fans now. Maybe he should just start looking after himself kind of thing. Which, if you look back at like signing Jordan Rhodes, for example, I don't want him to buy his gifts. I don't. I just want us to win. Not like that, no. No, I just want us to win. I want to have a proper setup down at Wednesday. I want the shirts on time. I want everything good quality. That's the thing. It's... It's not rocket science. If you if you run a shop, right, you, you want to have people come into your shop and buy things, then you get the best staff you can, you get yeah. the best products you can, yeah. you have the best service you can, and the best prices you can. Yeah. And I think we're failing on like at least three of those points as yeah. a club. Ultimately, everything else off the pitch goes away to some degree just by winning. But yeah. we're not winning, so it shines a bigger light on everything. People start to look at what is going wrong, what is going right yeah. at, at the club. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and there's been a lot of uh, interrogation on things like the shirts and, and everything else and the 150th anniversary year. Uh, but that's as a result of not winning. People just want good football and to win. Mm. It's We were promised top two this year. It's gutting. 16th now. Obviously, there's still quite a way to go in the season. 
And again, the magnifying glass is on us because United are at the top, top of the table. Owls talk, telling Bez to F off since 2002. So other things out of the Stephen Group, Neil. We're, we've got the away kits uh, yeah. in stock or an amount of. We're just waiting for more to come. Keep them in a cupboard until all the moths have eaten them up because they, that is a disgusting away kit. <laughs> You're not a fan of that one? Nah, not for me. What well, about you? Do you like it? I'm not a fan of it either. No. Do you remember when uh, when we showed the first pictures of it and then the IKEA in Sheffield? Yeah. Said, <laughs> said genius. It was their uniform. Absolute genius. Oh dear. Good marketing by IKEA, but yeah, it's, it's kind of embarrassing for for the club in ways. Yeah. Um, but if you don't like that one, the white 150th anniversary kit is coming out and apparently will um, be out for November. Oh, I love this kit. I love it. I absolutely love this kit. The white one's really nice. Yeah, I really Gold love trim. it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Are we playing in that against Millwall? Uh, not Millwall, it's the... Oh, Villa. Is it Villa? I think it's Villa. Yeah, it might be Villa. i really worried about that Villa match. That's a tough one. Yeah, exactly. That's a really tough one. Millwall, um, we need to win because Villa's... What the hell are we going to do against Villa? We don't know. Knowing us, we'll lose against Millwall and, yeah. and absolutely thrash Villa. Yeah, just yeah, that's that's it. With a new manager. Yeah. Um, more good news, Neil. More good news. My name's Morgan. Is the news? More good news, Neil. I tell the news, Andy. More good news, Neil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> from a steering group, you know, the steering group set up to make lots of changes, uh, have the fans' input, and make sure that people people are happy with the club. Um, they're going to turn down the brightness on the uh, pitch side. I think they already boards. think they already have. Yes. So um, one of the big complaints was that the advertising holdings around the side of the pitch were too bright. Hmm. So they've turned them down. Thanks. Fair enough. Yeah. If, if it's making you uncomfortable, fair enough. Um, they're apparently going to set up an international Facebook page. Hmm. Someone. Someone mentioned this on OwlsTalk.co.uk, and they said that. Um, the, there's been a lot done and there's going to be a lot done and uh, it's good that we're trying to attract the attention of international fans hmm. so to have like an international Facebook community how I don't know but fair enough um, along the lines of for example right on YouTube there's a tribute to the death of the King of Thailand from Sheffield Wednesday yep it's the number one video on Sheffield Wednesday's YouTube and it's had 925,000 hits nearly a million views um, which is helping to attract fans from abroad. Yeah, you know, so um, that could be a big positive depending on how they how they do it. I've seen a few people moaning about that silence being kind of out of place. Yeah, for me, I don't care. So yeah, we, we do. We've done lots of silences for lots of people, lots of fans and celebrities, and, and, and the stuff. lambs. We did the silence of the lambs. Clarice, I am Morgan Freeman. He's not in the, that one. Clarice. The Outstalk Podcast, quite literally the worst thing on the internet. Apparently they're going to be, uh, they're looking at repainting the West Stand roof and finally get rid of the Presto. You should have started that little segment with, hey Presto. No, because I'm just trying to reel through these points really quickly because we've been on this topic forever. Paint the West Stand roof, they can't do it, they can only do it in pre-season when there's no football on because it because of the scaffolding that's required to yes. get the painters up there. And apparently there's 10 managers uh, at the club that Chan Siri is given the power to make decisions. I think this is a response to people 
kind of insinuating that Chancery tries to dictate everything that goes on at the club. Yeah, uh, and then Mr. Chancery's re- re- replied with, "He's got ten managers of different departments at the club. It gives them autonomy to do whatever they want." <laughs> yeah, whatever. Steve's lunch update: pizza. So, when it comes to Sheffield Wednesday, Neil, what what would you say is the club's identity? What makes Sheffield Wednesday? The ground, um, the loyal fans, the away followings, um, the blue and white stripes on the shirt, yeah. uh, the owl, the clock on the south stand, uh, and booing. <laughs> and booing, yeah. It's just, I was thinking about this the other day, it's like, the stuff that makes Wednesday fans identify with the club. Yeah. You mentioned like the fans and the away following and stuff like that. Yeah, that is the fans essentially. the The thing that makes them identify with a club, I think, is stuff like the kit and the badge. Yeah, and, of course, and the cop band. Yeah, and and the cop band. Um, and for me, it's like those things have been taken away a little bit. Yeah, which is fine if you're winning and you go to the Premier League and then you start a whole new identity. Yeah, but um, I saw someone post again on House Talk that when this chairman's gone and the next chairman comes in, he's got so many easy wins to, to win the fans over. Oh, just, God, yeah. Just put the stripes back on the shirt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And Give us the owl back. Yeah. Now, I, I don't mind that they change the badge. I, I, don't, I don't mind the badge. Um, for me, getting rid of the stripes is the big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that having a blue shirt with white sleeves for this season is perfect because it's the anniversary but we absolutely should go back to stripes next year. Were we playing in blue and white when we first started as a football club? No, if you go back to when we first started, we were playing in blue and white. Actually, the first red, uh, the first recorded kit, I think, was all white. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right at the back. Yeah. Um, Michael Barrymore. We, if we went back to kind of the first kit, it potentially would be quarters, uh, yeah. Rather, yeah. rather than stripes or or even hoops. We yeah. played in hoops at the, at the very beginning as well. Yeah, um, the so, the but, blue top with white sleeves. Um, Weren't it from the seventies when we did really badly and get relegated? Yeah, pretty much. Great. <laughs> we obviously we played in white for the sixty six cup final. Yeah, um, fair enough. We got a nice like white. 150th anniversary kit coming mm. eventually. Um, the stripes. It's it's literally the our club is stripes mm. and black shorts, blue and white stripes, black shorts. There's no other club that plays in that combination, as far as I know. Some fans would argue that it's blue shorts. Yeah, definitely. And I don't mind every few years that they they mix that up and change the the shorts between blue and black. But the stripes is an absolute must for me. The away shirt, the yellow and black one, reminds me of a Toblerone. Not a Toblerone, a Crunchy Bar. I don't know why. Neither do I. Owlstalk.co.uk Turning hope and happiness into complete despair. Next up, Neil. Lee Strafford has been uh, around a bit more recently. uh, Posted on Owlstalk.co.uk Yep. Um, After the match, he was a bit angry, I think. So Lee came on to Owl's Talk last night. Uh, he said that he got into his car really disappointed after the match. Yep. Then listened to uh, Radio Sheffield and Rob Statton talking to a caller called Bob, who was a Wednesday fan. And Bob basically said, he's not happy, etc., etc., um, and things aren't getting done right at the club. So Rob Statton and Peter Shirtliff, from where they were, sat 
presume on the south stand media box. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah. We're looking at uh, Mr. Shansiri, who would been approached by some fans to have their photo took with him and some kind of flag, is it, that they had made? I'm not sure, but whatever happened, uh, Lee was not happy with uh, hearing that Mr. Shansiri was so relaxed after it. You know, a must-win game that we'd drawn. Yeah, and I've obviously I've seen Lee after games uh, when he was there, and you know he he's a Wednesday fan and he took defeat like Wednesday fans would. Yeah, uh, I was always pissed off after after we'd lost. Yeah, um, still am. Um, but yeah, Lee obviously has that kind of connection to the club. And to be fair, I remember seeing kind of um, even Paul Aldridge and things like that yeah. being pissed off after certain games. Yeah. Who don't necessarily have a connection, like affinity with the club. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Lee said that um, Rob. He saw Rob saying that uh, he'd come out of the tunnel, uh, Mr. Chancery, uh, and he looked happy uh, when he was taking the pictures. Um. I'm not sure if this is just an interpretation thing, to be honest. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's just um, the wrong time to be hearing things about people not hurting after a game. Do you know what I mean? So if yeah. you come out and you're raw. And you really upset that you're not worn, and you know being let down again, and then you, you're hearing that other people in the club aren't feeling like that, yeah, or don't appear to be. Then you can misinterpret stuff. I think. Yeah. Now I've got a clip of the actual show after from Football Heaven, and this is kind of like uh, what was said. So this is uh, Rob Staten on Football Heaven after the match. Bob, thank you for that. That's Bob, who's a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Peter, we've just seen the uh, Sheffield Wednesday chairman, Deshpon Chansiri, emerge from the tunnel, was taking a picture with somebody who watched the game today down pitch side. I have to say, he looks quite relaxed. He doesn't look like a man who, I mean, he said this week he's 100% behind the head coach. And his reaction to the end of that game is probably quite a bit different to maybe some of the supporters around it. He doesn't seem, he doesn't, his body language to me does not look like a, a chairman who's going to suddenly ring the changes this week, for example. No, I agree with you. He uh, doesn't look like that at all. Um, so, yeah, I think, just listening to it, I think that Rob's point was that he, he was trying to make the point that he doesn't look like a chairman that's about to sack the manager. Yeah. Rather, well, he's not, because he said he's not. Yeah. So rather than. Um, rather than anything about the chairman not being upset. Because at the end of the day, if you're going out there to take a photograph with somebody, then you're not going to like look miserable on the photograph for this person that you're taking a, a picture with. Yeah, it's a no-win for Mr. Chansiri, because like, if he'd have gone out looking grumpy, he'd have got criticised for that big yeah. time anyway, for being unprofessional. I think it's just a case of everybody was feeling extremely raw after the match. And uh, Carlos isn't going, and the chairman's relatively relaxed about that after the game, and looking relaxed as he, you know, yeah, as he was. Then uh, it's bound to rattle a few cages, I think. Yeah, I think that there has to be a kind of public persona that the chairman gives out when he's doing things like meeting supporters and whatever. Um, and I think fair enough on that respect. And I think it was just an interpretation of the the words that kind of got a bit mixed up for me. Yeah. Agreed. Owl's Talk sorted it. And now, it's the Owl's Talk post of the week. So talking about Chansey, there's a thread on owlstalk.co.uk about whether the chairman is, uh, whether people are happy with the chairman. Yeah. How would you say that that thread's going, Neil? Uh, as expected, I think, if the chairman's coming out and backing a manager when we're struggling, um, some will see it as loyalty, some will see it as admirable, and uh, many will see it as foolish. And I think, I just think there's just been, over the last few weeks and months, there's been 
a growing list of things that could and should have been done better that don't cost money. So, like, just simple, basic stuff getting done on time, yeah. accurately, and as the club promised it. Or cost little amounts of money. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think there has to be some investment in keeping people happy. Yeah, but, like, the, the stuff that... Like, the, the mistakes that are being made with the kit, for example, the communication around the kit... Uh, there's just too much to mention it. The, the anniversary stuff the watches you know the limited edition mm. watches just everything all that could have been that doesn't cost anything to get right for, compared to how they've got it wrong do you know what I mean so yeah. communicating about the kit sizes mention uh, not overselling the anniversary watches that were limited edition to 150 etc etc getting don't, the names right on the prints and- yeah yeah all that so you don't, <laughs> that doesn't cost anything that's the thing right so I think there's been a growing list of that. Why is that? Is that because people at the club are demotivated? Is it because they're not being managed properly? Is it because it's, they're getting sloppy because there's no one overseeing them? Or is it because they're just, I don't know, worried? I don't know. But either way, it doesn't matter. There's just a, 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 a growing list. Even if we were doing well, that list would still exist and it'd still be a niggle. A yeah. mass, massive niggle, right? But it, it exists when we're not doing well. Well, I think even more, if we were top of the table and the kits weren't out, until yeah. the end of October, yeah. then people would still be pissed off about that. Yeah, yeah, they would. If if we were top of the table and they oversold the watchers, then people would still be pissed off about that. But so, in, yeah, but like people have said that Mister Shansiri has to make all the decisions that he does. He controls everything, and there's nobody at the club that is autonomous. He's disagreed with that. Yeah, right, and said that's not true. We've got ten managers of ten departments at the football club who can all go and do their own thing. If that's the case, why are so many mistakes getting made and what's being done about it? Yeah. If those managers are making those deci- those decisions. Who's to- accountable for those things? Like the kit yeah. thing is, it, that for me is completely unforgivable. Yeah. The the fact that we got to late October without a kit on sale, mascots running out with the team in the old kit when the team are in the new kit. Yeah. Uh, the the mascots like um, Ozzy and Barney walking around in the old kit, stuff like that for me is just like it's basics. Um, and he's brought us good players in Westwood, Forestieri, Bannon, and Hooper. Yeah. Um, and then he goes into negatives. Uh, his first negative, he bought us duds in Bus, Vermil, Melo, Sugu, Wiggins, Lackman, Matthias. McGugan, Abdi, Jones, Reach, Emmanuelson, Fox, Winnall and Rhodes. That's a long list. A long list of high earners. It's high earners. It's like Emmanuelson was reportedly the top player the top paid player at Hillsborough. Yeah. It is a long list when you look at it like that. And we do have a big squad. There's though. more than that. There's more than that. There's, there's players that he's left off. There's some players that is included there that maybe shouldn't be and some that isn't missed off, I think. But I think he's counting these just as the negative players, just as the, yeah, fair the duds. Um and I have an argument with such as Winall and Rhodes. Yeah, I don't think they've played enough for no, us I to don't. judge them. No, I don't. Um, anyway, um, is increased ticket ticket prices to amongst the highest in the division, uh, and three years in, we're still where we were under Stuart Gray in the table. Yeah, that's worrying. And there's no argument with facts. On the flip side of that, um, yeah, is increased ticket prices, but he has increased gate re- receipts, which is a pos- the, one of the positives it points out. But again, just stop you there on that one. If we're increasing the amount of money that we're bringing into the club, but we're spending an absolute shed load on stuff that's not working, hmm. but then we put the prices up again probably next season for season tickets and stuff again, what are we what are we doing? We're chasing ourselves into a situation. What's the limit? 
The issue I've got is if you get all these players that we've got at the club and they're all getting older and they're all on massive contracts, who's going to buy them? Who's going to mm-hmm. pay them the similar kind of wages that means that the players will go or that the, you know, the other team will buy them? If they don't buy them and they can't get in the squad and the first team, right, then we're in trouble because yeah. what, kind of, what kind of a presence are they going to be around the club? Do you know what I mean? Et cetera, et cetera. So we've been here before in that situation when we got relegated from the Premier League first time yeah. or the last time and um, we had all these players on massive contracts because we were, had an over-generous, ambitious type of situation where we're pay, overpaying players to try and achieve something. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, it is other point where he says we're still where we were under Stuart Gray. To be fair, in the last two seasons, we've had two goes at the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. you can say that now when we're yeah. in the, when we are playing, where we are in a bad position. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in between, we've had a, a decent stab at it. Um, is increased executive box prices to the point where we have only sold a, f- a few per season. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Changed our club badge with no fan input. He's got rid of our stripes with no fan input. Yeah. He hasn't addressed the amateurish commercial arm of the club. Yeah. And that's an that's an ongoing complaint. Like yeah. I think we've been doing this podcast back three episodes now and yeah. we've mentioned it every episode. Yeah. Uh, and even before that in previous episodes and like last year, the year before. Yeah. Um is let our hundred and fiftieth anniversary go by with a whimper. Uh we got fireworks, an expensive dinner, and a floppy cake ball. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Um it's cocked up with the shirts, let the old ones remain on sale for fifty five quid, then charge fifty nine quid for the new one with a ten pound discount for a month. Mm. Great. Mm. Uh he's letting our best academy prospect in years drift out of the club over money we had no problem paying to the dross above, meaning all those players who listed earlier. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. When we have been, like, spaffing this money away yeah. on various things, essentially we're letting a player, one of the brightest prospects that we've had in decades, yeah. go it's- for less than what a lot of this stuff has cost. Yeah, exactly. George Hurst is like... I don't know how ready he is, I don't know, but he's a prospect, so, you know. If the kits had been on sale, then we'd have had the money for to pay him what he wants for the next season or so, maybe. If he was at another club, right, and he weren't at Sheffield Wednesday, and the fans wanted him, I wonder if Mr Chancey would buy him for the money that he's asking for. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. yeah. But it's also, you, you look back and, like, obviously it's famous that... You know, the Cantona situation at Hillsborough. Yeah. It's famous that United let Maradona go... Yeah, like through the fingers and stuff like. There's there's players like this at every club, and for those situations, it was like we didn't know that we were in that situation at the time. Well, I think we know what that what George Hurst is capable of. And and Carlos says that we can't put him in the first team to give him a go because of the contract situation. Mm. So we can't do a Wayne Rooney like Everton did and just stick a, a talented kid up yeah. and give him a go. Do you know what I mean? And it's the time to do it. Look at Michael Owen. Look at Wayne Rooney. Like. 16-year-old yeah. kids that came, exploded onto the scene because they had no, no like, expectation of them. Yeah. Um, and it's happening over at United now. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's the biggest one for me. Um, and then he goes on to say, and the above is only what we know. Different people I trust who have dealings with the club have told me stories that I can't verify but are absolutely batshit crazy ways of running a football club. Can't, can't comment on that. Yeah, don't know. I've heard stuff. Can't comment on that. I think everybody's heard stuff. It's again, it's stuff that you can't necessarily verify. No, uh, but you know, if some of the things are true, then it is worrying. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's 
Kivo Owl's um, post about the chairman. Mm, and I think, I think it's a fairly fair. balanced, objective kind of look at things. Yeah, agreed. Fair points, pluses and negatives. Yeah, positives and negatives. That's what I was trying to say. Owls talk, asking if you've got any stubs, matey, since 2002. So, Neil, is there any impressions you want to do before we finish? Oh, I'm Doc Cotton. Oh, I'm Doc Cotton. It's Doc Cotton back. Yeah. And then it is, uh, get my pub. That's Phil from EastEnders. Are they still in EastEnders? Phil and Doc? Don't don't watch it. Me neither. Isn't Doc dead? June Brown? Don't know. Don't know. Oh, I hope not. Otherwise, I won't be able to talk. <laughs> you sound like um, Martha from Spaced. I've never seen that. Great show. Right. So that's the end of the podcast. Hi. So that's episode 19 of the podcast, which will be available on Monday. <laughs> so I need to edit You've got to deliver it on Monday now, because if you don't, you have to slagging off the late kit delivery. Good point. You're up against it now. Pressure, yeah. Pressure's on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, episode 20 will come some point next week. Respect Booyaka Shah. Aye. For real. What? Um, I can't remember. Oh. Do you know we've not heard from this podcast? Who? Steve. Oh, is he around? Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Online at owlstalk.co.uk, you're listening to Owl's Talk FM. Yeah, where the hell were we? So, uh... We've we've drawn one one, one one. Go, come, coming back to the football. Okay, we've drawn one one, one one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this recording's going to take all day, and it? it's going to be another five-hour editing job for me. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so we've drawn one one. One one. <laughs> 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 so deal. We played Barnsley and Drew. <laughs> one one. <laughs> yeah, one one. One one. And dear. So right, compose yourself. Ha. I'm Martin Freeman, and I'm in the film The Shawshank Redemption. Good. It's passable, I guess. I'll just go and fetch my friend, Mick Jagger. (laughs) (laughs) Once, Once more, I wish that we filmed this so that they could see your face. Oh, oh my god. Oh. Oh. The best impression you do is that one that you do when you put your sunglasses on and be Jimmy Savile. <laughs> so one day, one day. They are class sunglasses, to be fair. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.